नमस्कार वेलकम टू कुरुक्षेत्र पॉडकास्ट प्रेजेंटेड बाय इन्फिनिटी फाउंडेशन आई एम योर होस्ट करिश्मा हिमत सिंघानी इन टुडेज पॉडकास्ट यू विल हियर एन एक्सक्लूसिव कॉन्वर्जेशन बिटवीन श्री राजीव मल्होत्रा एंड रुचिर बख्शी हु हैज़ अ बैकग्राउंड ऑफ हिंदू लिविंग इन यूनाइटेड स्टेट्स सर्वड इन यूनाइटेड स्टेट्स आर्मी दे आर टॉकिंग अबाउट मेंटल हेल्थ एंड हिंदुइज्म सो लेस लेसन इन Namaste viewers my guest is Ruchir Bakshi who has the amazing background as a Hindu living in the United States served in the US army on active duty in Afghanistan and Iraq one of the boots on the ground so it's an interesting story welcome Ruchir Uh, thank you, uh, Rajivji. It's it's an honor to be talking with you today. So, Ruchir, uh, for our viewers, uh, you would be kind of a, a real novelty, an unusual kind of person, because yes. from what I understand, it's not a desk job; it's a actual b- c- combat role you had. So, tell yes. us, tell us your story and how you end up in the army and what happened. Well, uh, briefly put, I, I moved to the U.S. in about in the nineties, in the early nineties, and then. Uh, joined the army in roughly around the mid 90s and i was always interested in physical uh, pursuits and uh, you know uh, running and all that kind of stuff so it kind of went well uh, with that theme and then uh, unfortunately uh, 9/11 2001 happened and as soon as it happened i volunteered to uh, deploy forward uh, into the combat zones to see if there was anything i could do to uh, help in the fight against uh, terrorism and that's how i ended up in afghanistan first and eventually uh, maybe a year and a half later i was uh, in iraq as well you know we, uh, right as the invasion began uh, i was uh, sent to iraq as well to do my mission uh, afghanistan one and a half years uh, afghanistan was a, f- uh, a few months maybe six months and then i ended up going elsewhere uh, that I'm not able to speak of right now but uh mainly uh, it was uh, combat deployments were in Afghanistan and then Iraq for uh, roughly a year yeah. so somewhere else you went but it's not is classified where yeah it was not uh, yeah i was not uh, sent back yeah what is your experience of the US army uh as a hindu because you are a hindu right you you do yes, you root claim hindu Yes, I am. I am a, a very firm believer in uh, Hinduism, and uh, also uh, the army at that time did not quite know what to make of me. So uh, it just turned out that I was ignored, and uh, which is fine in a way because it didn't attract any attention. I didn't have to deal with diffusing any issues that might have happened. When you were ignored, it's not that your work was ignored; your identity no, no. was ignored. No, no, it, it was. I was just another soldier doing my yeah. work, and as long as the mission was done, it was fine. And okay. uh, the, I didn't get any opportunities to, you know, go meet the chaplain, for example, because there was no possibility for me to do that. Uh, so it, it it worked out as far as the mission went, and uh, as far as personal attention, I didn't get any positive attention. Neither did I get any negative attention. So it it was fine. So the army treated you as uh, another soldier. I mean, you you do your job, and that's it. And uh, your faith is not anybody's business. Nobody wanting to ask you or have exactly. any pro- positive negative view. Yeah, exactly. The PTSD, 
post traumatic stress disorder yes sir for viewers tell us what is ptsd why it's such a big deal why the us army has so much of it and then your ability and your experiments and your attempts to cure or treat or manage ptsd with vedanta i think that will be an interesting story okay uh, first of all uh, ptsd is uh, it's not something that happens to 100% of people who are deployed or face traumatic experiences it does happen to a certain percentage uh, even today as we speak uh, 22 military members a day are killing themselves uh, even in the us even after they come back even after they come back yes tell us wh- when ptsd happens what causes it and what's the symptom PTSD happens uh, in my case, I, and every person is different, but in my case, it was a combination of dealing with uh, uh, pretty negative situations and pretty bad situations, and then uh, having to do the mission at the same time. If I had reacted to each and every situation uh, in a way that was appropriate, I would not have been able to do my mission. I would have been sent back uh, because I would have failed. Uh, so in order to succeed at my mission, I had to compartmentalize. I had to kind of hide away the, the, the feelings, hide away the reactions that I would normally have. And then it became a habit of doing that. And I was numb. I mean, to the point where uh, there were mortars falling around me and I was walking as if it was a day in the park uh, since I had to do my mission. Um, and it got to that point, And when I got back... Uh, all those uh, repressed emotions and, and memories and experiences kind of came back in a way that was not uh, appropriate to, in the civilian world especially. Nobody would understand what was happening. Uh, but it was kind of payback that if I had to shove all, this, all the emotions away, uh, when they came back, they would you know, take, their, take their toll. So that is, in my case, that was PTSD for me. Is it a fair assumption to a, a fair characterization that because of the trauma, because of the urgency, the risk, the fear, all those things that are happening, you have to block off your emotions and just be like a machine, do the job? Exactly. Yeah, so if you've got to move something from here to there, then you just forget and block off what's happening and you don't sort of think about it and get emotional and all that because you can't function. So exactly. is that what it is? Yeah, and especially in Iraq, where we were traveling uh, without any, uh, this was due to the the mission, uh, so I'm not blaming the army, but we were traveling in civilian vehicles without any, uh, you know, armor or anything. Uh, So it was a kind of a moot point, like if if something happened, a bomb exploded, uh, it wouldn't make any difference if I was afraid of the bomb or not, you know, it it would get me. So at that point, you just kind of block it off, say, you know, whatever happens, happens. And you deal with it. You have hundreds or thousands of these episodes which you block off, which you don't react the way exactly. normally it would be. Exactly. So does PTSD come when you are back home or can it start even while you are on duty? I, again, like I said, it's different for everyone. It was to me, since I was so focused on, the, on getting the work done, uh, I didn't have time for any way for my brain or my, you know, to de-stress or to relax in a sense where I would have the opportunity to experience other things. So when I got back, and even after I got back, it, my parents, uh, I wasn't married at the time, noticed uh, that I, I was different. And that happens frequently. When you, when you go back, uh, when you come back from your, your deployments, you, you look different, you act different. 
Um, and that's changed forever, as far as I can tell. Um, but uh, that after I got back, all the uh, th the things got uncompartmentalized. Let's put it that way. And then uh, I had to start dealing with uh, everything that I was experiencing, feeling at that time. So all those uh, repressed and uh, compartmentalized emotions come back, and then they. Yes. So is it in my case? Is yes. it is it when you are sleeping? It, is it trauma, dreaming, nightmares, or is it even during the daytime? Uh, it could manifest as uh, nightmares. Uh, although I fortunately didn't have that problem. My my issues were more hypersensitivity to environment. Uh, I would. I back in Arizona. This is when my, I was back in Arizona, uh, and we were allowed to have guns openly. Um, you know, I used to have a, a, a forty-five millimeter pistol at my nightstand and always with me, uh, just because I felt safe because I had that weapon. So that that kind of a background is always there. And then uh, going into malls or public places or any loud environments, I would uh, completely. Uh, uh, not, be very uncomfortable and I would just leave I, because otherwise I would, you know, something would happen which I hadn't any control over. So uh, all those things kind of ha happened and then uh, I was seeking treatment medically and uh, it kind of faded away. And then it came back uh, all of a sudden a couple of years ago uh, when I witnessed something uh, pretty, pretty horrible, uh, an accident where I saw somebody get run over. Uh, and, you know, this was in a parking lot, so it was not at speed, but I saw the entire thing. So it kind of opened up the can of worms again. Uh, so that's how I'm experiencing PTSD uh, with, a, you know, in a, in, a, in a different phase right now. So what does the army do to the, there must be thousands of people. I mean, are there statistics on how, what percent of the people in deployment get PTSD? Um, I do not have the statistics, uh, the statistics or the percentage, but I know it's not everyone, but it is a, a sizable number right. where uh, people are uh, openly uh, saying things uh, where, where they need to. And the VA is finally recognizing uh, that this is a problem that needs to be looked at. Um, but the Army, uh, in, in broader terms, the Army trains you how to fight. It doesn't train you how to come back. So... That that is that is the issue, yeah. Because for example, when I come back, when I came back, um, there there was somebody who was out processing me or in processing me to where I was going, and uh, they had one simple question: Are you going to kill your wife when you go back home? And my answer was, I'm not even married. What do you mean? <laughs> and that was the end of it. Literally, that was the end of it. And there was no. Uh, you know, no, no doctor checking anything. It was just rubber stamping everything and making sure that I was done so that they could attend to somebody else. When people are back from combat duty and if they complain of PTSD, what does the army do to treat them? Now it's improved vastly that I can tell. Um, the VA is uh, dealing with uh, vast numbers of veterans who are, you know, by the the fact that there's we we have been in Iraq for over 16, 17 years now, um, they're uh, treating uh, veterans with uh, med with medicine, with group therapy, with uh, peer uh, therapy, um, and uh, also one on one uh, as you know therapy as needed. Uh, so it is it has improved a lot, and I have to say that, but it's still. 
not uh, an issue that people really feel comfortable talking about. And I wanted to change that. That's why uh, part of the reason that's why I'm on here with you is to let people know that this exists and it's not something to be ashamed of. Yeah, this, I was very happy when you wrote to me and approached us and I'm so happy that you're here. So now tell us, how does Vedanta play a role in your management of PTSD? Um, I, I kind of talked about this a little bit. It happened recently where I thought, you know, everything was in the background and uh, I was not experiencing any symptoms. Then I saw that accident I told you about. And uh, at that time, uh, PTSD came back or you know, re-emerged and manifested itself in a different way this time where I was having physical symptoms. I was uh, shaking uh, uncontrollably shaking and it was not something I was actively thinking about that I couldn't stop it and there were other issues too uh, to the point where when it happened I ended up calling the the veteran suicide hotline not because I was suicidal but in order to get some kind of help somewhere uh, cut a long story short I ended up uh, at the Chinmay mission uh, through somebody's recommendation a good family friends and uh, I had uh, the uh, the fortunate uh, uh, circumstance where I was able to meet with this Swamiji, Swami Dhiranand, uh, on a one-on-one -on -one basis, and he initiated me into um, Vedanta and, and, and started to tell me how I should be thinking about these events and how I should be treating them, as opposed to reacting in a conventional manner and then just depending upon you know pills and medicine and therapy on its own. It was partly discussion on philosophy. Yes. Meditation. Uh, it was partly discussion on philosophy, uh, meditation. I, I attend the, the mission every week. Uh, okay. I still go, and I, I plan on you know keep on. Uh, I plan to keep on doing it. Uh, so it is a discussion of the Gita, the discussion of uh, the the philosophy behind all the statements, all the shlokas in in the Bhagavad Gita, for example and what it means in our lives today. So, uh, the, you know, for, for example, uh, I think it's a very uh, famous or, or a famous uh, shloka, uh, chapter 2, verse 47, karmani evadikaraste mafale shukadachana. So, that part where it says you are responsible for your, your actions and not... You know, you're not looking for fruits. You're not looking for any benefit out of it. And you're not worried about if it's a good thing or a bad thing. You just do it because it is your duty to do so. Uh, that part was really uh, beneficial as far as a, a starting point for me, where I could look back at the things that had happened and realize that I was doing my duty. I was doing my the actions that I was supposed to do. And... When things happened as a result of my being there and doing those, uh, those were happening to somebody else. And it sounds a little cold, a little detached, but it's not. You know, it was, uh, logically speaking, it was happening to someone else. I was fortunate to be in a position where I was able to observe it as opposed to experience it. And uh, so when, when things are happening around me, I should be more cognizant of where it is affecting me. Is it affecting my emotions and am I being overrun by my own emotions when I don't need to be? So this 
in Vedanta, this whole the whole practice of witnessing, Sakshi Bhav. Yes. Witnessing. Yes. Kind of uh, lets you can let go of the intensity of emotion, reactivity. Reactivity. You can be less reactive. Yes. And more indeed. witnessing, more Sakshi, and that yes, helps and you. That helps you uh, de-traumatize. Yes, it does. And and uh, I, I at first I was confused, and I even asked Swamiji that. Uh, well, if I'm detached, how am I supposed to show empathy? How am I supposed to, uh, you know, uh, show my love or, or wish well? Or do my job. Yeah, or do yeah. my job. Yeah. So uh, his response at the time, I didn't understand it, was uh, something like, you know, uh, you show empathy because uh, you are still, you're still a human being. You show empathy at the same time. You're not linking yourself Right. to the emotions that you're showing. You, you are, right. again, observing it, and you're aiming for a higher uh, goal where you can eventually uh, be that person who doesn't change with everything right. that happens around you. So, observing without, being, without the ego being a stakeholder, exactly. and, and in this mode being able to act. Exactly. Without the sense that, without the doership. Exactly. Without the sense of doership or ownership or, right. you know, like I was in it, uh, even though you were in it physically, you were spiritually uh, not supposed to be reacting to that. Right. At that time, I didn't have that knowledge, unfortunately. But uh, And even letting one's body be an instrument that's performing its job. Exactly. And it kind of ties back into the same concept where you're doing your duty, uh, do it well and do it uh, as you were supposed to. Uh, with full intensity, but at the same time, you you stay away from getting too involved where you are personally becoming useless to people around you. You know, what's particularly impressive, I want the viewers to notice, is that the Bhagavad Gita is revealed to Arjun also in the battlefield. And so, for you also, this is your, this is your Gita and you are, you are playing that role. You are in the battlefield being told, being told that you have to do your job. But, you know, you, you're not a stakeholder in terms of the outcome and exactly. not, even a, not even ultimately the doer. Yes, so, indeed. So that's, a, that's very wonderful that you not only you had that opportunity, but you also took advantage of that opportunity to perform as per the Gita would teach. Yes, and I went about it the wrong way, I think, personally speaking, but it's, it's being fixed now. And fortunately, I have the ability to fix it still. And that is not a chance that, you know, I've lost colleagues who, to, to suicide when the previous day I met them and they were full of joy and happy. And the next day I learned that they were, you know, they were gone. So it was, I wish that more people had this opportunity to kind of look back and, and disentangle themselves from their past in a sense yeah. where, in a, in a positive way. Yeah. You know, Swamiji in the D.C. area uh, who's uh, helped you, uh, I, I've known him for a very long time. Yes. And they've invited me many times to give talks. I've launched some of my books. Uh, uh, I'm very close to him. Uh, we have many videos on my channel where uh, he and I are discussing and he's uh, you know, uh, introducing me and I'm giving some talks and answering questions and so on. So yes. I'm so happy and I'm so proud for uh, Chinmay Mission to do this. It's, it's an amazing organization. I personally, Indeed. I was personally... In, one of the persons who initiated me as a young boy was Swami Chinmayanand in Delhi. Wow. And my parents and we knew him for a long time. So I'm, I'm fully supportive of that organization. 
Yes, and it is a great so, organization indeed. Yeah. yeah. So wonderful. So all you viewers, you know, respect our gurus, respect our traditions. Here is a living example of uh, Arjun in the battlefield taking advantage of these teachings of the Gita to help himself and uh, be a good soldier for the U.S. Army as his Swadharma. That is your Swadharma. And uh, it, it is, it is uh, the way you put it, it sounds, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm just a simple man. I, I, I don't think I would uh, come close to, uh, you know, Arjun uh, in, in, in uh, the qualities that he had. But at the same time, I, I, the concept is, is the same. And uh, like I said, I'm very appreciative of the, of the mission and uh, of the ability to affect change on, in my life uh, in, in a way that roots out the problem as opposed to just treat the symptoms. Yeah. See, every one of us is an ordinary person and we have to do with, in our own context, in our own lives, we have to do what the teaching says. And, and it is not a teaching meant only for some great guy, you know, it's meant for all yeah, of us. That's true. So, that is true. so you're doing that and I'm very pla uh, proud of uh, your thank you. doing it. And thank, thank you. you for a great service to the United States Army and uh, uh, being a student of looking towards uh, Bhagavad Gita as, uh, for answers. Yes. Finding those answers, implementing them in your life and then coming here to tell your story. This is wonderful. I appreciate the opportunity, sir, and uh, I will continue. This is only the beginning of my journey, so I will continue down the road and uh, and hopefully get get better, not just at the knowledge of, of uh, Vedanta and, and the Bhagavad Gita, but also in uh, helping others eventually, if I can. I do want to start helping others as well. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any question or suggestion, we would love to hear from you please write to us on infinityfoundationpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Karishma signing off. Bye-bye.